Chapters 76 through 100 of Sonnets of William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sam Stinson. Chapter 76 Why is my verse so barren of new pride, so far from variation or quick change? Why with the time do I not glance aside to new-found methods and to compound strange? Why write I still all one ever the same, and keep invention in a noted weed, that every word doth almost tell my name, showing their birth and where they did proceed? O oh, no, sweet love, I always write of you, and you and love are still my argument. So all my best is dressing old words new, spending again what is already spent. For as the sun is daily new and old, so is my love still telling what is told. End of chapter 76 Chapter 77 Thy glass will show thee how thy beauties wear, thy dial how thy precious minutes waste. These vacant leaves thy mind's imprint will bear, and of this book, this learning mayst thou taste, the wrinkles which thy glass will truly show, of mouthed graves will give thee memory. Thou by thy dial's shady stealth mayst know time's thievish progress to eternity. Look what thy memory cannot contain. Commit to these waste blanks, and thou shalt find those children nursed, delivered from thy brain, to take a new acquaintance of thy mind. These offices, so oft as thou wilt look, shall profit thee, and much enrich thy book. End of chapter 77 Chapter 78 So oft have I invoked thee for my muse, and found such fair assistance in my verse, as every alien pen hath got my use, and under thee their posy disperse. Thine eyes, that taught the dumb on high to sing, and heavy ignorance aloft to fly, have added feathers to the learned's wing, and given grace a double majesty. Yet be most proud of that which I compile, whose influence is thine and born of thee. In others' works thou dost but mend the style, and arts with thy sweet graces graced be. But thou art all my art, and dost advance, as high as learning my rude ignorance. End of chapter 78 Chapter 79 Whilst I alone did call upon thy aid, my verse alone had all thy gentle grace. But now my gracious numbers are decayed, and my sick muse doth give another place? I grant, sweet love, thy lovely argument deserves the travail of a worthier pen. Yet what of thee thy poet doth invent, he robs thee of, and pays it thee again? He lends thee virtue, and he stole that word from thy behavior. Beauty doth he give, and found it in thy cheek. He can afford no praise to thee, but what in thee doth live. Then thank him not for that which he doth say, since what he owes thee, thou thyself dost pay. End of chapter 79 Chapter 80 O oh, how I faint when I of you do write, knowing a better spirit doth use your name and in the praise thereof spends all his might to make me tongue-tied speaking of your fame. But since your worth, 
wide as the ocean is, the humble as the proudest sail doth bear, my saucy bark, inferior far to his, on your broad main doth willfully appear. Your shallowest help will hold me up afloat, whilst he upon your soundless deep doth ride, or, being wrecked, I am a worthless boat, he of tall building and of goodly pride. Then if he thrive and I be cast away, the worst was this, my love was my decay. End of chapter 80 Chapter 81 Or I shall live your epitaph to make, or you survive when I in earth am rotten. From hence your memory death cannot take, although in me each part will be forgotten. Your name from hence immortal life shall have, though I once gone to all the world must die. The earth can yield me but a common grave, when you entombed in men's eyes shall lie. Your monument shall be my gentle verse, which eyes not yet created shall o'er-read, and tongues to be your being shall rehearse. When all the breathers of this world are dead, you shall still live, such virtue hath my pen, where breath most breathes, even in the mouths of men. Chapter 81 Chapter 82 I grant thou wert not married to my muse, and therefore mayst without attaint or look the dedicated words which writers use of their fair subject, blessing every book. Thou art as fair in knowledge as in hue, finding thy worth a limit past my praise, and therefore art enforced to seek anew some fresher stamp of the time-bettering days. And do so love, yet when they have devised what strained touches rhetoric can lend. Thou truly fair wert truly sympathized in true plain words by thy true-telling friend and their gross painting might be better used, where cheeks need blood, in thee it is abused. End of chapter 82 Chapter 83 I never saw that you did painting need, and therefore to your fair no painting set. I found, or thought I found, you did exceed that barren tender of a poet's debt. And therefore have I slept in your report, that you yourself, being extant, well might show, how far a modern quill doth come too short, speaking of worth, what worth in you doth grow. This silence for my sin you did impute, which shall be most my glory being dumb. For I impair not beauty being mute, when others would give life and bring a tomb. There lives more life in one of your fair eyes, than both your poets can in praise devise. End of chapter 83 Chapter 84 Who is it that says most, which can say more, than this rich praise that you alone are you? And whose confine immured is the store which should example where your equal grew? Lean penury within that pen doth dwell, that to his subject lends not some small glory. But he that writes of you, if he can tell, that you are you, so dignifies his story. Let him but copy what in you is writ, Not making worse what nature made so clear. And such a counterpart shall fame his wit, Making his style admired everywhere. You to your beauteous blessings add a curse, Being fond on praise which makes your praises worse. End of chapter 84 Chapter 85 
my tongue-tied muse in manners holds her still while comments of your praise richly compiled reserve their character with golden quill and precious phrase by all the muses filled i think good thoughts whilst other write good words and like unlettered clerks still cry amen to every hymn that able spirit affords in polished form of well-refined pen hearing you praised i say tis true tis true and to the most of praise add something more but that is in my thought whose love to you though words come hindmost holds his rank before then others for the breath of words respect me for my dumb thoughts speaking in effect end of chapter eighty five chapter eighty six was it the proud full sale of his great verse bound for the prize of all too precious you that did my ripe thoughts in my brain and hearse making their tomb the womb wherein they grew was it his spirit by spirits taught to write above a mortal pitch that struck me dead no neither he nor his compeers by night giving him aid my verse astonished he nor that affable familiar ghost which nightly gulls him with intelligence as victors of my silence cannot boast i was not sick of any fear from thence but when your countenance filled up his line then lacked i matter that enfeebled mine end of chapter eighty six chapter eighty seven farewell thou art too dear for my possessing and like enough thou knowest thy estimate the charter of thy worth gives thee releasing my bonds in thee are all determinate for how do i hold thee but by thy granting and for that riches where is my deserving the cause of this fair gift in me is wanting and so my patent back again is swerving thyself thou gavest thy own worth then not knowing or me to whom thou gavest it else mistaking so thy great gift upon misprision growing comes home again on better judgment making thus have i had thee as a dream doth flatter in sleep a king but waking no such matter End of chapter 87 Chapter 88 When thou shalt be disposed to set me light, And place my merit in the eye of scorn, Upon thy side against myself I'll fight, And prove thee virtuous, though thou art forsworn, With mine own weakness being best acquainted, Upon thy part I can set down a story, A false concealed wherein I am attained, That thou in losing me shalt win much glory, and I by this will be a gainer too. For bending all my loving thoughts on thee, the injuries that to myself I do, doing thee vantage, double vantage me. Such is my love, to thee I so belong, that for thy right myself will bear all wrong. End of chapter 88 Chapter 89 Say that thou didst forsake me for some fault, and I will comment upon that offence. Speak of my lameness, and I straight will halt against thy reasons, making no defence. Thou canst not, love, disgrace me half so ill, to set a form upon desired change, as all myself disgrace, knowing thy will. I will acquaintance strangle and look strange. Be absent from thy walks, and in my tongue thy sweet beloved name no more shall dwell. 
lest I, too much profane, should do it wrong, and happily of our old acquaintance tell. For thee, against myself, all vow debate, for I must ne'er love him whom thou dost hate. End of chapter 89 Chapter 90 Then hate me when thou wilt, if ever now, now while the world is bent my deeds to cross, join with the spite of fortune, make me bow, and do not drop in for an after-loss. Ah, do not, when my heart hath scaped this sorrow, come in the rearward of a conquered woe. Give not a windy night a rainy morrow to linger out a purposed overthrow. If thou wilt leave me, do not leave me last, when other petty griefs have done their spite. But in the onset come, so shall I taste at first the very worst of fortune's might, and other strains of woe which now seem woe, compared with loss of thee, will not seem so. End of chapter 90 Chapter 91 Some glory in their birth, some in their skill, some in their wealth, some in their body's force, some in their garments, though new-fangled ill, some in their hawks and hounds, some in their horse, and every humour hath his adjunct pleasure, wherein it finds a joy above the rest, but these particulars are not my measure. All these I better in one general best. Thy love is better than high birth to me, richer than wealth, prouder than garments costs, of more delight than hawks and horses be. And having thee, of all men's pride I boast, Wretched in this alone, that thou mayest take all this away, and me most wretched make. End of chapter 91 Chapter 92 But do thy worst to steal thyself away, for term of life thou art assured mine, and life no longer then thy love will stay, for it depends upon that love of thine. Then need I not to fear the worst of wrongs, when in the least of them my life hath end. I see a better state to me belongs, than that which on thy humour doth depend. Thou canst not vex me with inconstant mind, since that my life on thy revolt doth lie. O oh, what a happy title do I find, happy to have thy love, happy to die. But what so blessed fair that fears no blot? Thou mayest be false, and yet... I know it not. End of chapter 92 Chapter 93 So shall I live, supposing thou art true. Like a deceived husband, so love's face may still seem love to me. Though altered new, thy looks with me, thy heart in other place. For there can live no hatred in thine eye. Therefore in that I cannot know thy change. And many's looks, the false heart's history, is writ in moods and frowns and wrinkles strange. But heaven in thy creation did decree that in thy face sweet love should ever dwell. Whatever thy thoughts or thy heart's workings be, thy looks should nothing thence but sweetness tell. How like Eve's apple doth thy beauty grow, if thy sweet virtue answer not thy show. End of chapter 93 Chapter 94 they that have power to hurt, and will do none, that do not do the thing, they most do show, who moving others are themselves as stone, unmoved, cold, and to temptation slow. They rightly do inherit heaven's graces, 
and husband nature's riches from expense they are the lords and owners of their faces others but stewards of their excellence the summer's flower is to the summer sweet though to itself it only live and die but if that flower with base infection meet the basest weed outbraves his dignity for sweetest things turn sourest by their deeds lilies that fester smell far worse than weeds End of chapter ninety four chapter ninety five how sweet and lovely dost thou make the shame which like a canker in the fragrant rose doth spot the beauty of thy budding name oh in what sweets dost thou thy sins enclose that tongue that tells the story of thy days making lascivious comments on thy sport cannot dispraise but in a kind of praise naming thy name blesses an ill report oh what a mansion have those vices got which for their habitation chose out thee where beauty's veil doth cover every blot and all things turns to fair that eyes can see take heed dear heart of this large privilege the hardest knife ill used doth lose his edge End of chapter ninety five chapter ninety six some say thy fault is youth some wantonness some say thy grace is youth and gentle sport both grace and fault are loved of more and less thou makest faults graces that to thee resort as on the finger of a throned queen the basest jewel will be well esteemed so are those errors that in thee are seen to truths translated and for true things deemed how many lambs might the stern wolf betray if like a lamb he could his looks translate how many gazers mightest thou lead away if thou wouldest use the strength of all thy state but do not so i love thee in such sort as thou being mine mine is thy good report End of chapter ninety six chapter ninety seven how like a winter hath my absence been from thee the pleasure of the fleeting year what freezings have i felt what dark days seen what old december's bareness everywhere and yet this time removed was summer's time the teeming autumn big with rich increase bearing the wanton burden of the prime like widowed wombs after their lord's decease yet this abundant issue seemed to me but hope of orphans and unfathered fruit for summer and his pleasures wait on thee and thou away the very birds are mute or if they sing tis with so dull a cheer that leaves look pale dreading the winter's near End of chapter ninety seven chapter ninety eight from you have i been absent in the spring when proud pied april dressed in all his trim hath put a spirit of youth in everything that heavy saturn laughed and leaped with him yet nor the lays of birds nor the sweet smell of different flowers in odour and in hue could make me any summer story tell or from their proud lap pluck them where they grew nor did i wonder at the lilies white nor praise the deep vermilion in the rose they were but sweet but figures of delight drawn after you you pattern of all those yet seemed it winter still and you away as with your shadow i with these did play End of chapter ninety eight chapter ninety nine 
The forward violet thus did I chide. Sweet thief, whence didst thou steal thy sweet that smells, if not from my love's breath? The purple pride which on thy soft cheek for complexion dwells, in my love's veins thou hast too grossly died. The lily I condemned for thy hand, and buds of marjoram had stolen thy hair. The roses fearfully on thorns did stand, one blushing shame, another white despair. A third nor red nor white had stolen of both, and to his robbery had annexed thy breath. But for his theft and pride of all his growth, a vengeful canker eat him up to death. More flowers I noted, yet I none could see, but sweet or color it had stolen from thee. End of chapter 99 Chapter 100 Where art thou, muse, that thou forget so long to speak of that which gives thee all thy might? Spendest thou thy fury on some worthless song, darkening thy power to lend base subjects light? Return, forgetful muse, and straight redeem, in gentle numbers time so idly spent. Sing to the ear that doth thy lays esteem, and gives thy pen both skill and argument. Rise, resty muse, my love's sweet face survey, if time hath any wrinkle graven there, if any be a satire to decay, and make time's spoils despise it everywhere. Give my love fame faster than time wastes life, so thou preventest his scythe and crooked knife. End of chapter 100